the Bible tells us that um, the natural mind cannot understand the things of God. The natural mind can't perceive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. So if we come in here trying to understand it with this, we're going to be at a loss. But let's set ourselves to be in agreement with the word of God, whether this understands it or not. Because when we do, then we are engaging our spirit to receive the word, which is spirit. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And not only that, we've got the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who ministers the truth to us. So set yourself to be in agreement with the word of God. Amen. Amen. And prepare to receive, receive, receive. That is God's heart for you, that you would receive from him. Now, before we get into um, the chat with the others who will join us, let me take us back to square one, okay? I want us to understand or I want us to remember that the end game of salvation is not to receive from God. We don't come to God just to get things, you know, with that selfish desire just to get things. And we don't receive salvation just so we can go to heaven. All right, so let's do just a mini refresher on salvation. What is salvation? Let's turn to that very familiar scripture, John chapter three. And we will look at verse 16. And I do mean look at it, even though it's a familiar scripture, put your eyes on it. Okay, it's good to put it in your ear, your eye gate, put it in your ear gate, and put it in your mouth gate. In other words, look at it, listen to it, and speak it. All of that helps faith to come. All right, John chapter 3, verse 16, in the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. We're going to back up one more step because I forgot to pray over you all so you could hear it. I've already prayed over you all. You are prayed over, but let's, uh, let us pray here together. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this occasion. Thank you so much for the word that you have for us. Thank you for helping us to locate us in your heart. Oh, that's good, Lord. Thank you. You're giving it to us today to locate ourselves in your heart. Just, I feel the anointing people receive this. You are blessing us to locate ourselves in your heart to perceive how you feel about us, to perceive what you think about us, to perceive how much you love us. Glory to God. For when you look at us, you see us through the blood of Jesus. When we've received Jesus, when we've made Jesus as our Lord, you see us through the blood of Jesus. You see us just like you see Jesus. And for those of us who have not made you, Lord, you loved us so much that you gave your son Jesus. So we just thank you for loving us and for allowing us this place today where we get to see through your eyes how you love us and what your heart is for us. I speak, Father, that eyes are open to see, ears are open to hear, and hearts are open to receive and understand the word that you would pour out here today. I thank you for those who are joining in real time, those who will 
uh, watch the recordings later. I thank you for those who have participated in this chat and, and, and sown the seed of themselves to share their testimony with all who would be partakers of this broadcast. I speak blessings upon each and every one. We thank you, Father, and I declare that we will not leave here the same way we came, that we will leave uh, with greater measure of revelation of how loved we are by you, greater measure of revelation, how much you desire for us to receive, greater measure of revelation, how possible it is for us to receive from you. We thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's do this again. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. So what is this everlasting life? Let's turn to John chapter 17, and we'll look at verse 3. Jesus defines it for us. John 17, verse 3, in the King James Version, it says, And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus, whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So what is eternal life? Does it mean living forever and ever? I mean, that's what happens, and you live on the good side. But eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus, having intimate relationship with Oh, come on, don't you have a special someone or ever wanted a special someone that you can have that special relationship with? Well, God wants that kind of relationship with you. As much as he already knows you, that's how much he wants you to know him. And he wants you to know that he's a loving God. He's not a punishing God, a harsh God, an abusive God. You've got to prove yourself to me, God. And I need you to serve me to feel secure, God. No, he's God who loves you. He just loves you. He loves you so much that he gave you the very thing that you need to be able to receive everything from him. Okay. And that thing that he gave you is called faith. It's called faith. So um, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you want to know where it says he gave you faith, one of the scriptures is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Okay? And we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. All right? So now, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at verse 6. It's another familiar scripture, but I'm asking you to look at it with fresh eyes. Open yourself to receive fresh revelation from Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right. This scripture says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently 
secant. So let's unpack this just a little bit. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Not because God's saying, you don't have faith. You don't have faith. I'm mad at you. You don't have faith. No, 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 no. The reason it's impossible to please God without faith is because that what pleases God is when we receive from him. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He has given his, of his, he has given us his son. How much more freely will he give us all things? He's the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He wants to lavish us. Part of the root word, if you study the word love in Hebrew, part of the root word of that word love is give. God is love. And giving is his nature. Hallelujah. You ever tried to give something to someone and they don't receive it? And you try and you try and you try and you try. You know they like it. You know they probably really want it. And you know you just want to bless them. You're not looking for anything in return. You are just looking to bless them. And they are, no, thank you. No, 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 no. After a while, you know, that starts to get on your nerves. You might feel rejected. Right? You, why, why won't they receive my love? Well, that's how God feels a lot of times. He is a giver. He enjoys giving us, giving to us, and it pleases him when we receive from him. But when we don't receive, that doesn't please him because it's unfulfilling. I just heard that word in my spirit. It's unf unfulfilling. Yeah, yeah. So in order to receive from God, though, we need this thing called faith because God provides everything that we need. It's already there. So I want you to look at it like this, okay? Look at this great big old ocean. This ocean is called grace. God provides everything to us by grace. In this ocean are flowing or are uh, swimming all these fish, any kind of fish you can want. And these fish are called blessings. Okay, so you've got all these blessings swimming in all this grace. How are you going to get those blessings out? Well, so here in America, I'm going to get my fishing rod. My fishing rod gives me access to the blessings in the ocean. My fishing rod gives me access to the fish in the ocean. Okay, are you following me? So this fishing rod is called faith. Without faith, it's impossible to get those fish out of the ocean. And if I can't get those fish out of the ocean, then I can't receive the blessings that God has for me. They're right there, mine for the taking, but I can't get them. I don't have access to them because I don't have that fishing rod of faith. And that makes God very sad. Leaves him very unfulfilled. Therefore, without faith, it is impossible to please him because he just wants to give to you. He just wants to love you. He's not a genie. Ooh, Jesus. No, he's not a genie. <laughs> he is a giver, a giving God. And that's why we need to know him. So we know how he operates. We know what makes him tick. We know his desires for us. 
we know his plans for us. We know um, how, how to align with what he has designed us to be. Because when we know him, we get to know ourselves. After all, he is our creator. Yes. Amen. All right. So uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Makes him very sad because we're not able to receive everything that he has for us. Maybe even anything that he has for us. The next part of that verse says, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right. So now, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is what? That he is real, that he is able, that he is willing, that he is loving on you, that he is whatever you need him to be. Whoever cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, hallelujah, of them that diligently seek him. In other words, when you seek God for something, never expect to walk away empty-handed. Glory to God. Believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not going to lead you on this wild goose chase. He's not going to build your hopes up and then let them fall. He, he, he's not a deceiver. He's, oh, Shunday. All right, here we go. James, I am loving this. James chapter one. Thank you, Holy Ghost. James chapter one, verse 17. Are we ready? James chapter, it's just one book over. James chapter one, verse 17 in the King James Version. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning oh my goodness every good gift every perfect gift comes from above from the father of lights well we're talking about god here okay every good gift god is good God doesn't just have good. God is good. So everything that comes out of him is good. God has nothing bad to give you. So for those of you thinking that, you know, I'm sick because God is trying to teach me a lesson. God did not put sickness on you. Where would he get sickness from to put on you? He's the giver of every good gift. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's my honor to suffer for Jesus. It's my honor to be broke. It's my honor to live in poverty because I'm just proven. God gave this to me as a gift to prove how much I love him. Excuse me. God is a good God. An abundant God. Where, where would he get poverty to give you? Where would he get it? How is that a good gift? Is poverty good? No, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So we're already getting into uprooting some uh, old mindsets, unrooting um, some belief systems that have been put in place that aren't true, right? Every good gift is from above, from the Father of lights, who is God. 
Every perfect gift, what does that mean? That gift does exactly what it's supposed to do in your life. So if God has blessed you with a mate, hallelujah, glory. But more and more, no, honey, let's not go to church today. Are you putting money in the offering again? If that spouse is pulling you farther and farther away from God, did God really give them to you? That doesn't sound like a perfect gift, one who is, or, or a gift that is doing what it's supposed to do in your life. That mate is supposed to be uh, both undergirding you, supporting you. Uh, it's supposed, you are supposed to be complete before you come together with the spouse. Nobody completes you. God has completed you. You are complete in him. Hallelujah. But when you're, you and your spouse come together, both of you enter into each other's lives to help fulfill God's destiny on your lives. And if somebody is pulling you from that destiny, if somebody's distracting you from that destiny, if someone's discouraging you from that destiny, you really want to check into that. This is a good word for people who are dating too, or people who are believing for a spouse too. God's gifts are perfect. They always accomplish the very thing that they're supposed to accomplish in your life. And God never sends you a gift to, to, to inflict you with pain. Okay? So receive that with wisdom. Now, no, no, prophetess is not telling you to leave your spouse. No, prophetess is not telling none of that. Prophetess is saying, seek God. And when you are making decisions, make sure your decisions line up with God's heart for you. And you're not going to know God's heart for you if you don't get to know him. And this is life eternal that you might know him and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Amen. All right. So again, verse 17, every good gift, God is good. It's good. It's good. It's just good. It's just good. And every perfect gift, it fulfills its purpose. And the purpose is always God ordained. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the father of lights, who is God, with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. He's not shifty. He's not going to disillusion you. He's not, in another version of the Bible, it says that God is the father of lights and he does not ever position himself to obstruct the light. The light is revelation. He doesn't ever do anything to obstruct the light. He's never going to lead you down a path that is deceptive. He's never going to lead you down a path where you're not going to know. Why? Because he's leading you all the way. You might not know in the beginning, but that's okay. That's how it's designed to be. So you will put your trust in him. And you can put your trust in him because you know his character. There's no variableness in him or shadow of turning. He's not going to mislead you. He's not going to deceive you. He's not going to delude you. He loves you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so um, we're going to start out with that scripture today, Hebrews eleven six. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Um, let me take this moment to introduce our guests today. They are here by way of pre-recorded video. Okay, so you've heard Apostle True and me talk about Discipleship Way, 
at Discipleship Way, for you all watching, say it with me. We are achieving victory in everyday life and influencing others to do the same. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So um, Discipleship Way, it's a discipleship um, program that I have. And you will see from the discussions um, that you will hear that we get down into some stuff. Uh, discipleship way is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those trying to hide. It's not for those trying to justify. It's for those who are going to get to the heart of the matter. Praise the Lord. Okay, who really want to get to the heart of the matter. And I want to thank um, the members of Discipleship Way who participated in these discussions, um, specifically for this Eternity Chat. They gave you all a front row seat to see what they are going through, to see how they are grown, to hear the revelations they've received. Um, that, so I want us all to give them a thank you and a good God bless you. I want to say thank you to Shalom Schatz. Thank you to Charmaine Katan. And thank you to Evans Akenya. Glory to God. So um, you all bear with me just one moment. I'm going to pull up our first discussion on the screen. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When I, I grabbed that, it's like, if I'm going to pray to God, then... I know that he's, he is, and he's listening. You know, amen. The answers to your prayers are yes and amen. Yes. The promises. Amen. Amen. So what has that done for your prayer life in the context of receiving on the same level God desires to bless? Well, it, I think it makes me more reverent. Because I'm not just talking to the air. You know, if I'm going to pray about it, then I ought to stay around to listen for the answer. <laughs> That's good. And it, I might, I might leave, and but I come back and I listen and I say, "Hey, God, you know, I, I kind of left early, so I'm coming back to listen." Okay. Okay. So it's like, it's almost like I was afraid that he would answer. Why is that? Because then I'd be obligated to do what he wanted me to do. There you and, go. And I just didn't believe that I had that ability because and how I was raised was like, yeah, you're supposed to suffer before you go to heaven. And that he who outlasts the suffering is the one that gets there. And, um, and the other thing is, is that if, if I ask him and then he tells me, well, then I'm not doing what I want to do. Uh, that's the bottom line. Now we're getting somewhere. The discussion is just beginning. I'm joking. <laughs> so you're okay. So yeah, when I pray to God, he, he might tell me something that I don't want to do. 
Okay, did you all hear that? Did you all hear that? There were so many things. Thank you, Shalom, for sharing that. Um, because she she got through. She she admitted some things. Number one, I think the biggest thing for me was she said, I was even afraid he was gonna answer. I didn't even really want him to answer. Because if he told me what to do, he might tell me something I didn't want to do. Come on, if we're all being honest, right? Don't you avoid doing things sometimes just because you don't want to? And so you know God's got the answer. You know he's not going to lead you wrong, but bottom line is, I just don't want to. Do you know what's required in that situation? Dying to self. That is why it is so important for us to come into alignment with the word of God. It's so important for us to renew our minds, right? The scripture says, 3 John 2, brethren, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, what you think. Your will, what you want. Your emotions, what you feel right? Well, we need to, and then Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind is a part of your soul. We must renew this. We must want what God wants, think what God thinks, and feel what God feels. Let's go to Galatians chapter five. And I'm going to read verse 16. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic Translation. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. And we know Galatians chapter five, that's the chapter where the fruit of the spirit is found, okay? But leading up to the fruit of the spirit, we find this verse. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, in the Amplified Classic, it says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. Get this, of the human nature without God. So if we go back to our definition scripture, our definition of eternal life, and this is life eternal, that you might know God, that you might know his ways, that you might know his thoughts, that you might know his motives, that you might know him. And, and that word know, I told you that intimate, that intimate relationship, it's not for us to know and have head knowledge and be like, okay, yeah, that's a good piece of information. No, when we know we can act according to what we know. We can act in alignment with what we know. But we have to come into agreement with what we know. Otherwise, even when we align, there's not going to be a submission there. There's not going to be a, a willingness there. There's still going to be some mm there. But when you come into agreement, that word that um, 
scripture Matthew 18 19 that if any of you touch agree as touching anything when you agree as touching anything it shall be done to you of my uh, of my father in heaven that word agree means come together like a wonderful symphony all the musical parts play together when we come into agreement with God, come into agreement with his ways, come into agreement. It's like it's not going to be like I'm here, but I don't really want to be. And as soon as I get on my own, I'm going to do what I want to do. No, that's not agreement. That's just temporary alignment. But when you come into agreement, your, your, his wants become your wants. His thoughts become your thoughts. His feelings become your feelings. And we'll learn to be, to, to habitually be guided by the Holy Spirit. And when we spend our time being guided by the Holy Spirit, when we spend our time being responsive to the Holy Spirit, then don't you know, without even realizing it, those fleshly things will drop off of us. Did you notice what this, how this scripture defined the flesh? It says the flesh is the human nature without God. The human nature without the one who loves us. The human nature without the one who um, knows us. The human nature without the one who has thoughts and plans for us of peace and not of evil to give us an expected end. The human nature without the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift that's just us so when we get to a place where no i don't want to ask god because he might make me do something i don't want to do you're holding on to that nature without god and what a real that that's why this episode is called the real of receiving the real, because we get down to the nitty gritty. We're talking about some things that we might not otherwise want to talk about, let alone share with people, right? Sometimes we don't ask God, not because we don't think he will answer, but because we know he will. <laughs> and when he does, we don't really want to hear what he has to say because we want to hold on to this other thing anyway. Holding on to fleshy, fleshly desires is one thing that can keep you from receiving from God, period. But even more, it's something that can keep you from receiving from God on the same level that he desires to bless you. Why do I say on the same level that he desires to bless you? Because okay, let's put it this way. Um, you know that scripture that says um, if you tithe, you know, I'll open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing so much you won't have room enough to receive. Okay. And I tithe, and I know people who tithe, right? And we tithe and we get blessed by the Lord and praise God. And I'm not teaching about tithing right now, so don't shut me off. I'm just using this as an illustration. All right. So we tithe and we get blessed by God. Praise the Lord. But are we blessed to the level that we can say the windows of heaven have opened out and poured out a blessing so much we don't have room enough to receive? Have we received on that level? The only other mention of the windows of heaven opening up was during the flood. 
when so much rain came down that it flooded, well, that and the other water, but so much rain that it flooded the earth. Can we say that the blessings overflow our lives like that? That's the level in which God desires to bless us. So what we've been doing in Discipleship Way, we have been allowing God to minister to us. First of all, we thank him for making us aware that, whoa, God, there's a level that you desire to bless us on that we haven't attained to yet. We hadn't even imagined. And as he walked us through that, and this has been about almost a year-long process now, if not more, we're still on the journey. But it's like, okay, just an awareness that there's a level that God wants to bless me on that I'm not there. And I'm not just talking about the next level up. I'm talking about the ultimate level that he wants to bless. So he's made us aware, and now he's taking us through the steps on how to increase our capacity so that we'll be able to receive from him on that level. Wow. Wow. But holding on to our fleshly desires, I just can't get over this. The human nature without God. Do I want that? Or do I want God? So, wow. Yeah, when Shalom said, I, you know, I am a heat mind answer. And then I won't get to do what I want to do. So, if you find yourself in that circumstance, in that situation, what what are you hearing the Spirit of the Lord say to you today? Change your desires. Renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? By getting in the Word of God. Getting in the Word of God. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste. And sometimes, you know, if you're like me, you put it in your mouth. And you're ready to spit it out away. You didn't really take right away. You didn't really taste it. You just put it in your mouth. All right. The next time you might actually swallow it, but you try not to let it touch your tongue. You don't want it to hit your taste buds. You just want to say that you swallowed it. Then the next time, you know, maybe a little flavor got on your tongue. You're like, okay, all right, all right. And then the next time you just take a normal bite and you're still making up your mind about it. You haven't seen that it is good yet, but you keep tasting. You keep tasting. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. I can, I can do this. Um, let me see what the scripture is. The Lord's given it here to me recently. John, excuse me, Luke chapter 5. I think we're all familiar with the parable about the, the wine and the wineskin, right? Can't pour new wine into old wineskins or else the old wineskin will burst and the wine will spill out. So it didn't do anybody any good and it wasted the wine, right? But here's the scripture that stood out to me. Luke chapter 5, verse 39. It says, No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new. For he saith, the old is better. Jesus is saying, when you're trying to pour the new wine into the old wine skin, it just doesn't mix. And don't be shocked. You know, nobody says, oh, yeah, I like this new wine better. Uh-huh. Just get rid of the old. He says, no man having drunk old wine, old ways of thinking, right? Old ways of thinking, desireth the new. For he saith, the old is better. Even if the old is not good for them. 
you ever known that person who was being abused? And rather than leave their abuser, they wanted to stay because it was um, safe for them. And the reason they said it was safe for them or the reason they felt it was safe for them is because that was their familiar. That's all they knew. And so even though it was dangerous to them, it was harmful to them, they, they didn't want to leave for the new life. The old is better. I, I, I know this place better. You know that person who went to jail and they served their time or maybe they even got out early on good behavior. But when they left, they got out of prison, they just didn't know how to function because the old is better. The old is better. We need a renewing of the mind. The old, the people say the old is better because it's familiar. It represents a safe place to them because it's what they've come to know. But there must be a renewing of the mind. Think about the rich young ruler. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, okay, so you've kept all the commandments. Good deal. Now, this one thing you lack. To the rich young ruler at that time, the old was better. He walked away sorrowful wanting to keep his old life instead of being able to step into the new eternal life that he asked Jesus for. So old mindsets, old mindsets can keep us from receiving from God, period, and from receiving from God on the same level that he desires to bless. So let's listen um, to some testimonies about some, some old teachings. Let's see. Um, first, I think we will hear from um, Brother Evans, and then we'll hear from Shalom. So hold on just one moment. Let me... the, the first gospel that even has been preached in, in Kenya and some parts of, uh, of this world, that, you know, I'm suffering because Jesus also suffered. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so, yes. Okay, you know, there is that class that, you know, God allows you as he's teaching you the patterns, how to understand the spiritual things. But it is not that because God wants me to suffer, because he suffered. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. The chat was very powerful because, uh, you know, you said uh, we don't have actually Salvation is not actually about suffering, <laughs> just like that. Now you are suffering together with Christ, <laughs> or, or suffering to show that. Uh, so it's, that is also the part that uh, I was really getting uh, motivated uh, into receiving uh, God's plan for my life, and for my family, for the ministry, I don't have to die for Christ. Christ died for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I don't have to die for Christ. Christ died for me. Glory to God. 
That doesn't mean I don't have to die to self. That means I am not a martyr for Christ. Oh, I'm suffering, I'm suffering, I'm suffering for Christ. No, that's not what he called us to. He already did all that. He already did all that. But did you hear? He said the false gospel that is preached here in Kenya and other places in the world is that I must suffer for Christ. It's okay if I'm poor. It's okay if I'm sick. It's okay that these bad things keep happening for me to me. I'm doing it all in the name of Jesus. I'm suffering on his behalf. That does not bring God glory. That does not bring God glory. And I, I thank, thank you, Brother Evans, for that testimony. He says, this is the teaching that's gone forth in Kenya. But he says, um, he shared how last month, um, Apostle True and I were talking about suffering. That's, that's not our lot. That's not what God has for us. And he says, it, this teaching motivated him to receive from God in his life, in his ministry, for his family. See, once we come to know God and we come to know his heart and we come to know him, then we can identify those things that are out of place. No, suffering is not for me. Uh-uh. Oh, what? I've been paying attention to this all this time. Oh no, now I'm going after Jesus. I'm going. That's what he wants me to have. He wants me to have abundant life. He wants me to be healthy. He wants me to be financially fit. He wants me to be able to bless others. He wants me. That's what I want to. I'm coming into agreement with him. I'm coming into alignment with him. I want what he wants. I want what he wants for me getting rid of those old mindsets. And I'll tell you a scripture that God used uh, with me. This is the scripture uh, that we've been walking through for a year, or I've been walking through for a year, maybe more now. Psalm 35. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 35. Verse 27, King James Version. Psalm 35, 27, King James Version. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So when God gave me this scripture, he was speaking the scripture to me. He was speaking it to me as, let them that shout for joy, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Talking about his righteous cause, which caused me to say, okay, Lord, what's your righteous cause? Then it goes on. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. What? Your cause is my prosperity? You know, when someone has a cause, they have something they fight for. They have something they stand for. They have something they support. They have something they uh, promote. They have something. You understand? God's cause is our prosperity. Now, don't, don't, don't shut me off. I'm not doing the prosperity gospel bit that some people are opposed to. I'm speaking prosperity, which means wholeness in every area of your life. God, God's, God's pleasure is our prosperity, spirit, soul, and body. 
That's his pleasure. His pleasure is that we are whole in every area of our lives. His pleasure is that we are doing well in every area of our lives. Okay? That's his righteous, righteous, God is righteous. God is right. God is right. God is right. This is his righteous cause, my prosperity. And so as I meditated that scripture, I meditated it for a long time. I'm still meditating it. But one of the first things that came to me, well, Lord, if it is your, if my, if your pleasure is my prosperity, then your pleasure is my pleasure. So my pleasure is my prosperity. If you have joy in my being prosperous, I have pleasure in my being prosperous. That was a mind renewing process all by itself because I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't really thought about it. You know, praise God, I, I know I want to do well and I know, but when, you know, the struggles seem to come or when things aren't going as well, you know, it's like God is faithful. He's going to see me through this. I'm trusting in God all the way. But when I came to understand that it was his absolute pleasure for me to be prosperous, it was more than just a casual thing with him. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. I'm wanting to jump and run around this room. When I came to know God in this way and know that it's his absolute pleasure for me to be prosperous, glory to God. And yes, I got in agreement with that. And when I got into agreement with it, that nice symphony, then I came into alignment with it. Am I in perfect alignment? Not yet, but I'm growing more and more in alignment every day. Why? What does that alignment looks like? look like? Well, one area that he started dealing with me and my prosperity was in the area of health. And he started dealing with me about my food. And my pleasure wasn't his pleasure when my food was concerned. <laughs> I was like, Shalom, I didn't want to ask him what he wanted me to eat because I might want to eat something else. But I had come into agreement. Your pleasure is my pleasure. If it's your pleasure for me to eat this, it's my pleasure for me to eat this. If it's your displeasure, because just as much pleasure as God has in our prosperity, that's how much displeasure he has in anything that hinders us from being prosperous. Oh, so the next round of meditation was, okay, Lord, your pleasure is my pleasure your displeasure is my displeasure. I am wanting what God wants. I'm thinking what God thinks. I'm feeling what God feels. And I'm continuing to meditate it and come into agreement with it until it's just a part of me, until that part of my soul is, is renewed. Glory to God. So now, Lord, your pleasure is my pleasure. Your displeasure is my displeasure. You have pleasure in my prosperity. I have pleasure in my prosperity. You have displeasure in anything that keeps me from prosperity. I have displeasure in anything that keeps me from prosperity. You have pleasure in my eating these kinds of foods. I have pleasure in eating these kinds of foods. You have displeasure in my eating these kinds of foods. I have displeasure eating these kinds of food. Did it happen overnight? No, this is where the meditating the word comes in, putting that word in my eye gate, in my ear gate, in my mouth gate, speaking it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, speaking it, hearing it, faith coming. Until my mind is renewed where I'm not just saying it to get it in me. I'm now saying it because it is in me. And guess what started to happen? My taste buds started to change. 
I didn't have the same appetite for the things that I had an appetite for before. Did that, um, did that require me like going on a hunger fast and uh, it did take effort, you know, walk in the store, pass the cookie aisle, don't look at it, don't. It took my cooperating with God, but he's the one who did the work. Second Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, for it is God which worketh it in you, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God worked it in me to will of his good pleasure. To will is to want to. He gave me Psalm 35, 27. Pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. His pleasure is my prosperity. I'm meditating on this. He worked the will in me to want what he wanted. He worked it in me both to will, and now it's in there, and I'm working it by faith. I'm saying it by faith to get it in me. And once it got in me, I began to do of his good pleasure. What did I do? I cooperated with him. I cooperated. I cooperated with him by putting the word in me that he gave me. I cooperated with him by obeying me when he says, no, don't eat that. Did it require denying the flesh? Yes, it did. Because my flesh was like, I want it and I want it now. But when I'm responsive to, controlled and, and guided by the Holy Spirit, I don't satisfy the cravings and lusts of the flesh. The human nature without God. Mm, 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 mm. Praise the Lord. Come on, don't you want to be with God? You're one with God. If you've made Jesus your Lord, you are one with God. This flesh doesn't have to dominate you. Hallelujah. And the revelation God gave me as I was reading this to you right now, Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his what? Good pleasure. What is his pleasure? My prosperity. Mm. He's working it in me, both to will and to do of prosperity that he has for me. He's teaching me how to walk in the prosperity that he has for me. Glory to God. But what happened? I had to get rid of the old mindset. I had to get rid of the mindset that says, but I really need that honey bun. As a matter of fact, I need a couple of them. <laughs> I had to get rid of that old mindset. I'm not going to die without honey bun. As a matter of fact, I'll probably live a lot longer without it, right? I had to get rid of the old mindset. What is the old mindset? Ooh, Thanksgiving time, Christmas time. That's when you load up on the cakes and the pies and you eat all the fatty meats and you eat till you're stuffed. That's an old mindset because where I come from, holidays is when you eat, honey. You eat. It's not a holiday without eating. So then to renew my mind, to eat a reasonable meal and actually give God thanks at Thanksgiving. I mean, not just at Thanksgiving, give him thanks all year round, but you understand what I'm saying? Thanksgiving was no longer about the food. It wasn't about staying up all night, cooking all those cakes and pies. It was about Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I got to eat what? And, and I'm, I'm saying this for real. I'm not being facetious. I got to eat my favorite vegetables. 
And I got to eat a piece of meat that I don't buy every day. I got, and then I got to choose my single side, my single serving dessert and was perfectly satisfied. That took a renewing of the mind for me. I know some of you understand where I'm coming from. Praise the Lord. Oh my goodness, our time is just going. So let me share this other um, video with you. This one is um, Sister Shalom again. And this time, um, and she's sharing another belief system, um, one that she mentioned in the previous video, but she's going to share it more in depth with us. So um, give me just a moment and I'll pull that up for you. Okay. I realized one of the things I realized is the clarity that I was raised with the idea of that it's an endurance race. You know, that uh, those who endure to the end and still say that they believe in Jesus, they'll, they'll get to heaven. And so, you know, there wasn't anything about God supplying, it was just, you know, us holding on. And that seems to have been the way that I took everything. It really didn't make any difference how it was. Just keep believing. But, you know, it's like, you know, practice, practice, practice to, you know, to get perfect and that's that's not really the truth it's practice the right thing you know and you will get the right thing so I, I just think that was my I don't know if it was a takeaway but it was an awareness that I had because there was times I was angry there was times you know it was just different things that went on but one of the things that I realized is that I was trained to like, if you have to get beat up to get from here to there, then okay, then that's what you do. And you know, that that's just not, that's not where, where that message was. But that was, I realized that's what I, underneath many things, that's what I believe. Okay. So, you know, the word, the word will change it. So that's an underlying belief that you have, that you have to endure, you have to hold on. But there was no message of God will provide, God will take care of you no. along the way. No, that was what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to, we were supposed to bring everything and keep it so that God knew that we were Christians. Okay. And so now with the teaching, so you say you've come to an awareness that that's what you believe. That's what you were raised with. That's what you were taught um, all this time. And you said there were times when you got angry. Now that this belief system has been unveiled, that you thought you had to bring everything and, and endure and if you endured and made it and still believed in jesus you would get to heaven um now that that belief system has been unveiled 
has this teaching brought any kind of relief or has it sparked um, a catalyst for change um, of it? What has this teaching done for you? Well, I know it's not a finished work. I know it's not a finished work, but it's, it's made me aware of kind of like the damage that that belief system has for me. And that it's something that I do without even knowing I'm doing it. So I have to keep getting more aware. And I think it also, I need to expand on my um, what God, how God sees me because that's the only, I don't have any other antidote. So it's, you know, you told me to read Psalm 19 and there's some other things that I read and those, those things I just, I just need to meditate because I can, I can see how things get blended and they shouldn't be. You know, I, so I'm not clear on it all by, by any means, but I have a, a starting place. Amen. Wow. Wow. It was this underlying belief system of endurance. If you endure all the struggle and you're still standing at the end, and, and you took care of yourself during that time, you supplied everything you need, then God would know that you were a Christian. That's what she said. So what was that wrong belief? One of having to take care of yourself? One of having to survive yourself? It was a message of all these hard times are going to come and it's going to be up to you to get through them because if you get through them, that's how God will know that you're a Christian. It's not easy to receive from a God like that. And so now when you taste this new wine that God loves you and he wants to give to you, he wants to pour out, he wants you to become totally dependent on him. Let him take care of you. Let him tell you the way to do it. Let him make you the overcomer. That new wine directly opposes this old wine and the old wine no doubt tastes better. It's what you've been living all these years. It's what you've been knowing all these years. But I invite you today, regardless of what your old mindset is, whether it's one of suffering, one of you have to take care of yourself, one of endurance, one of whatever that belief system has been in your life, I want to encourage you today to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know that scripture I read about the old and the, the old wine, the old wine and the new, and no one straightway says the new is better. Well, God gave me a prayer. And he also gave me an assignment. And I'm challenging the rest of the body of Christ with this assignment too. Keep wherever you are, keep on offering that taste of new wine. Because they might not even fully taste it the first time. 
fully taste it the second time. And when they finally do taste it, they still might not like it. Nobody says straightway that the old wine, that the new wine is better. They prefer the old wine. So I'm talking to two groups of people today, but let me get to the one who's, who's dealing with the old belief system. And on some level, we all are. I want to encourage you to continue to taste the new wine. Oh, taste and see that God is good. Taste, keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting until you acquire a taste for the new wine. And then keep tasting till you desire the taste of the new wine and none other. Taste and see for yourself. I feel the anointing. Taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. He is good. And he has good for you. He is the giver of every good gift. Mm, mm, mm. He's just gooding me right now. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Amashinde, King James, for we are his workmanship, created into Christ Jesus unto good works, which Christ, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let me read that out of the Amplified Classic. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works that God predestined, that he planned beforehand for us. We are to be taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to give. God has made good ready for us to live. And how do we get to walk in these predestined, not predestined like he already chose is going to hell. No, predestined paths. When he created each of us before the foundation of the world, um, he created us each with a path. He knew how to get us right to where we're supposed to go. He knew whose lives would intersect with whose when. He knew who would get to this destination when and who would start this ministry when. And when this ministry would bless the uh, life of this person's child because of the time God predestined paths, good paths for us to walk in. He prepared them ahead of time. They are already a part of us. And he didn't create them just because he felt like being creative that day. He created them for a purpose. The scripture says that we should walk in them. Glory to God. Just walk in them. Ho-hum. Walk in them. Everything is mundane. Walk in them. Miserable. No. No, 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 no. That we should walk in them living the good life, which he prearranged. And made ready for us to live. Mm, 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 mm. He prepared these roads, these good roads. And while we're on these good roads, we get to do these good works and we get to live this good life that He's already prearranged for us. It's already there, sitting there ready. If we would only get to know the one who made them. Back to John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, 
the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Oh, we thank you, Father, for being the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift. Hmm. We thank you. So these old mindsets, I, I just keep coming back to you. I, I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you're thinking, no, this, this life in the gang is, is better. I got family there. And, um, you know, they, we look out for each other. They take care of me. I'm solid for life. I'm, um, taste the new wine. Just taste. Just that I'm not asking you to guzzle it all down. I'm asking you to taste. And I'm asking you to keep tasting. I'm talking about that person, Oshin Diribosa, just had a child out of wedlock, feeling, feeling low down, feeling ashamed, feeling um, less than, but afraid to go get help where you need it because this is what you know. This is what you think you deserve. The old is better. No, I'm taste the new wine. Come to Jesus. Taste the new wine. Taste the new wine. For anybody, if you're saved, glory to God, but you find yourself just in bondage to this particular sin, or you find yourself in this mental anguish, or, or you find, but you're ashamed to tell anybody because after all, you're in ministry, or after all, you know, you're the head of this and people look up to you and whatever. And, and you know what? I'm just going to keep faking the funk. I'm just going to keep going along this line. Nobody has to know. Taste the new wine. Come to Jesus. Come to the spirit of truth. Come walk in his truth. Come walk in the preordained path that he set for you. That's not a path that he set for you. Taste the new wine. And even if your change isn't immediate, even if you don't make that commitment right away to stay, you know, to, to get on this good path, to stay on the good foot, keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting, keep tasting. God will not reject you. Keep tasting, keep tasting. And the day will come when you now have a taste for that new wine. And you require the taste of that new wine because no other taste will do. No other wine will get it because you kept tasting, you kept tasting, you kept tasting. And you finally saw for yourself that God is good. You allowed God to prove himself to you. You allowed God's faithfulness to shine through to you. You keep tasting, you keep tasting, you keep tasting. And I'm telling you, if you keep tasting, oh, you'll desire, you'll, you, you'll desire the taste. You'll acquire the taste and desire the taste. Amen. Because he will work it in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm talking to that person who's that backslider, you know. And you might go to church every week and rededicate your life every week. And you feel condemned every time because, dang, I messed up again. 
I messed up again. I mess it. Keep tasting. Keep tasting. Keep tasting. But as you're tasting, I want you to taste the truth of God's word. I want you to get into a relationship with him. Get to know him. Read this Bible. Learn about who he is. Learn about his heart for you. Because as if you do that, as you keep tasting, you're not going to be pulled away by this, these religious thoughts or these traditional ways that say you have to go to church every Sunday or you have to wear your dress this long or you can't do this and you can't do that. All of those are work-based without relationship. But when you get to know the one who loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, oh, that's when you'll start to enter into relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's when your salvation will be real to you. That's when this walk with God won't be a struggle. Not saying you won't go through things, not saying you're not going to have to die to self, but you're not going to have to stop doing it in your own power. Like what Shalom was talking about, I have to endure and I have to bring everything myself and stand strong myself. And that's how I prove I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. When you bring yourself to God and you say, I agree with you. I agree that you love me. I agree that I am accepted by you. I agree that you have good things for me. I agree that you have have set up good paths for me. I agree that you're the one who made me and you know what you designed me to be. And now I come into alignment. I want to be what you created me to be. I want to think about myself, what you want me to think about me. And, and, and I want to think about you, what you want me to think about you. I want to feel about myself the way that you feel about me. That you love me so much that you'll leave the 99 sheep and come look after me. If I were to go astray, that's how much you love me. I think what you think about me, that it's your pleasure for me to prosper and be prospered. That's your desire for me. So that's my desire for me. When you learn, when you get to know God, the father, your creator, your creator, your creator. Yes, he's the creator of heaven and earth, but he's your, he created you. He knows everything about you. Everything you like, everything you don't like. He knows stuff about you that you don't know about you yet. And these good paths that he's prearranged for you, they're all going to lead you to those things that he knows, you know, so that he can bless you on the, on the level that he desires to bless you. Hmm. He just loves us so much. So I want to invite you all right now, whether you've made Jesus your Lord or whether you're just now making the decision to make Jesus your Lord, I'm inviting you right now to receive on the same level God desires to bless. 
the first thing he desires to bless us with is his son. Eternal life. Knowing him. Because that's how we get all the other stuff that he has for us. And remember, the end game isn't to get from God. Our getting from God is the way that we bless his heart. But the end game is that we'll know him. To know him is to know him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I keep looking for the English words to say. But I feel such a peace right here. And I feel the blanket of the Holy Spirit. And I just believe Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now, right wherever you are. I believe he's answering our opening prayer. That he's showing you exactly how he feels about you. That he's blessing you to locate yourself in his heart. Lord, we thank you. So for those who want to make Jesus your Lord, repeat after me, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that you died. I believe that God raised you from the dead on the third day. Come live in my heart. Be my Lord. Teach me. If you teach me, I will be taught. Thank you for being my savior. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for teaching me the good life and for showing me how to live the good life. Teach me to walk like you, talk like you, love like you, be like you, live like you. I deny myself. And I allow you to live through me freely. Have your way in my life. You are my Lord. And you have only good for me. Hallelujah. 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 You're on your way to relationship. You're on your way to relationship. Keep tasting the new wine. Keep tasting the new wine. Keep tasting the new wine. Glory to God. Because one day, and it won't be long, you will acquire the taste for the new wine. And you will require the taste of the new wine. 
and you yourself will be able, you will become the new wineskin that is able to hold the new wine. You won't burst and the new wine won't spill. And then you'll be able to help others taste the new wine. Hallelujah. And now, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you made Jesus your Lord just now, Jesus came to live inside of you. Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. But now, if you want the battery pack, if you want the power to live this good life that Jesus is going to show you how to live, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if that's what you'd like to receive, repeat after me. Holy Spirit. Thank you for showing me how to live the God kind of life. Father, I ask you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I receive the power to live the good life you've given me. I receive the power to be a witness for you of your goodness, of your power, of your love. And now by faith, I speak in my heavenly language. So now go ahead. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Holy Spirit gives you the utterance, but he does not hijack your mouth. <laughs> You're going to have to give him your mouth, give him your vocal folds, let him speak through you. You'll hear funny sounds, syllable words in your mind. Don't pay any attention to that. Just say, when you are speaking in your heavenly language, you are speaking the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. You are speaking forth many times those good things that God has for you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. So I want to thank you all for being here with me today. Praise the Lord. It's been a blessed time. Um, I look forward to seeing you again next month, the third Saturday of next month. And if you, um, if you just made Jesus the Lord of your life, then again, we, I want you to contact me. Go ahead and send me um, an email and let me know that you gave your life to Christ. Praise the Lord. We'd love to be a blessing to you. If you need any um, assistance, if you would like for us to help you find a good Bible-believing, faith-based church in your area, um, if you would like mentorship, we are here for you for that, okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your sweetness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for all that you have poured on us. Lord, we thank you for the taste of the new wine. We thank you for the taste of the new wine. And I hear even now, at first, the new wine might not do anything except give you a different taste than the old wine, letting you know that there are two different tastes. Hmm. 
just making you aware that there is an old wine. It's been your normal for so long that you didn't even know it was there. Yes, the purpose of the new wine in the beginning may be to expose the old wine. Glory to God. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in the lives of your people. I thank you that these seeds are sown into the fertile soil of their hearts and that these seeds will take root and they will bring forth 30, 60, and a hundredfold in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you don't start anything that you haven't already finished. So I declare this word. I declare this word finished in their lives. I declare this word not coming back void in their lives. I declare it is finished. So I thank you, Father, that um, for those who will come into agreement, for those who will come into alignment, for those who will cooperate with you, to see this word come to pass in their lives. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, well, you all be blessed, and I look forward to seeing you next month. Thank you so much for joining us. Shalom.